0: It's Friday on Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Happy to be back for another day. Final show of the week and I hope everybody's having a good one out there. Cold. We probably had this coming, right? It's been such an easy winter so far. You know, Winter starts before winter officially starts here usually, but late November, early December, the rest of December... Was easy, uh, relatively speaking. So we've, we've got this cold snap coming to us. We've got this whatever snow is coming to us. It's, it's all part of the deal. It's okay. We're going to get through it. Um, if this is the worst of the winter and I've no idea whether it will be, and I'm not going to jinx anything by declaring that it is, but if this is the worst of it, we will be just fine. I will take that in a heartbeat because it, like I said, it's been fine so far. And let's, let's embrace it too, right? Let's get outside in it. Why not? It's not that bad. Put layer up. Let's go. Anyway. Um, we're gonna layer up on this show. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Twins. Uh, Phil Miller joins me here in just a few minutes to talk about the twins. Kind of a quiet off season for them. Maybe not even kind of. Just definitely a quiet off season for them. A little bit of bookkeeping that came after I talked to Phil. I'll, I'll, I'll run through their arbitration guys that they've re-signed and uh, get to that after I talk to Phil. But Phil and I just kind of what's what's yet to come. What are the bigger moves that they could still make that should still beyond the horizon for those of you who are getting a little bit antsy and kind of reminding you too that this is how they do business and you know if you're looking for precedent right around now is when they signed Correa last year a little bit later in the offseason is when they made that blockbuster arise for Pablo Lopez trade so it's not like the offseason's over but it is getting shorter we'll talk about that we'll talk about the tv situation we'll talk about Joe Maurer's hall of fame candidacy which is going strong right now no guarantees at this point but based on the ballots we've seen right now it is looking very good for st paul's own joe mauer you might have heard he is from st paul um got a name image and likeness thought at the end of the show something that struck me from a recent sanction against florida state that uh, just kind of went completely contrary to what i thought i knew about name image likeness about the money that that schools are allowed to give players and how they're allowed to use it in recruiting first though what did i miss let's talk vikings we're back at to the back to the vikings it took a one-day break I, I granted myself a one-day break but with no live events no real live events in minnesota sports last night i was kind of saving this for friday something to get to today queso dofo and kevin o'connell vikings brain trust had a season ending news conference on Wednesday to kind of talk about state of the franchise, what they're looking at going into the off season. They're never going to give away all of the secrets of course, but you can listen to how they say things, you can listen to what they say about certain things and glean some information. Um to set it up, to frame it first, like this is this is not it's not hyperbole to say this 3 or 4 month stretch of the off season could be the most important stretch of their collective tenure. Um, it, it sounds dramatic, right? They were only hired like two years ago. They've had two seasons in in charge here with the Vikings. Um, one that was really successful, albeit you know a little bit of uh, fluke in that when they went eleven and zero in one score games, but they went thirteen and four their first year. Everybody was like, okay, they found it. Well, this year they went seven and ten injuries. Bad decisions, draft choices, kind of catching up to them, things like that. Now a whole boatload of things on their plate. A Justin Jefferson extension. Daniel Hunter is a free agent. They've got to figure out some depth. They've got the number eleven overall pick, which is the highest they have picked, I believe, in a decade since they took Anthony Barr in the top ten in twenty fourteen. They have, you know, all sorts of decisions to make. The biggest one by far, of course, though, is at quarterback. Kweci Adolfo Mensa was asked about Kirk Cousins try to slice and dice this answer up here here is Quecio do when asked about kind of the, the the status of where they are with Kirk cousins heading into the offseason. I think I've been pretty consistent with that uh Kirk the player uh, is somebody that as we saw uh, what he does to this team um, I thought we were playing really good football before he uh, before he got injured um, and it's the most important position in sports now. Ultimately, it always comes down to can you find an agreement that works for both sides and all those things. But um, as a player, it's certainly my intention to have him back here. And so these aren't new conversations that are having, right? We kind of each side kind of understands the other and we're, we're going to go have those conversations and see where we end up. And again, this isn't any different really than what he said about Cousins. Like he noted, this isn't really different from what he has um gone gone into with cousins in the past, right? They they like Kirk Cousins as a player. Nobody I, I shouldn't say nobody, but most of us would say, yeah, as a player, when you when you have an above average player, you want to try to hold on to those players. The problem is, and, and Adolfo Mensa gets into this, the problem is can you make what you want contractually match up with what they want contractually? When someone has 12 years in the league, has a certain amount of leverage, then there's that kind of element of Okay, well if if they want more years or more money than you're willing to pay, even if you like that player, you might not be able to get a deal done. Now, I've talked about this I think a couple times at least. Um ideally the the ideal scenario right now would have been to invent a time machine, go back to this point last year or, you know, roughly around this point, a little deeper into the offseason, I guess, and have Kirk Cousins sign the contract that the Vikings wanted him to sign. We don't know what the exact dollar figures were, but the Vikings wanted him to basically... Um, add one more year to his deal, to add 2024 to his deal at that point. So that 2023 and 2024 would be kind of his, his time horizon, as, as Quayce likes to say. And I'm sure they were already kind of looking forward to this draft class, this 24 draft class. Ben Gessling has said they like this draft class. They probably liked it already and it's only gotten better as this year has gone on and we've seen what happened in college football this year bunch of guys that are projected top 15 top 20 picks a few guys at the top Caleb Williams Drake May um, Daniels from LSU but a couple guys that could be right in their range or a little bit lower guys like uh, Michael Penix Jr. from from Washington uh, Bo Nix from Oregon guys like that right in that kind of mix could they could trade up they could move around draft picks a little bit and try to get their guy a lot of options here but if you re-sign Kirk Cousins, he's not going to do a one-year deal right now. If he wouldn't do it last year, why would he do it this year when he actually has some free agency leverage? So Vikings are going to have to decide how much do they want Kirk Cousins in the mix for multiple years and at what money, because he is absolutely going to want a multi-year contract. Is this the year they strike and get a quarterback? I absolutely think it is. Can you draft a quarterback and then keep Kirk Cousins, knowing how many roster holes you have, knowing that if you take a quarterback in the first round, those guys almost definitely play, almost always these days are playing at least by their second seasons. At that point, Kirk Cousins would still be your starter, presumably if he got the kind of deal he wants to have. He'd be making a lot of money counting on your cap, things like that. Then you're burning those cheap years of presumably you know what you hope of, Hope for is, you know, cheap years of really good quarterback play where you can build around that and have a championship caliber roster, a window of two or three years where you're not paying a quarterback all that much, but you're getting really strong quarterback play. So again, we've talked about this before, but this is just quasi reminding us that this is how we have to frame this discussion. As much as they might like Kirk Cousins as a player, as much as they might think he fits their system, does he fit contractually and that is what this offseason is going to come down to he's got leverage he's got places he can go even if he wants to be here at the end of the day it's a business he's not just going to take a deal in order to take a deal he's not going to take a deal just on the vikings terms i don't know if a contract exists that makes both sides happy especially if the vikings are convinced that they need to take a quarterback with the number 11 pick this season
1: Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan, the passion, the hope, the anticipation, that incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino, let your story begin.
0: Seems like a good time for a Twins check-in with Phil Miller, beat writer for the Star Tribune. few things I want to catch up on, Phil. Um, it's the offseason, which hasn't seen much action, but doesn't mean it won't. Still some things kind of out there right now in terms of potential free agents, trades the Twins could make, and almost certainly will do some meaningful things between now and the start of the season. It's you know still two and a half months before they start playing for real. Um, I want to talk to you about the the tv situation which kind of got a little bit of a put on hold but that doesn't mean there's not some interest in that right now or some inferences we can draw and uh hall of fame stuff where it looks like joe mauer is trending pretty well to be in on the first try um let's talk off let's talk off season let's talk the baseball stuff first and we'll get into the tv and the mauer stuff but first off how you doing happy new year
1: (laughs) thanks happy new year to you i uh had to laugh when you said it seems like a good time for a twins update. Uh, here's the update, Mike. Nothing. All right, let's move on. <laughs> but,
0: but here's the thing: before we started recording, you you reminded me, and you know, it, I I don't have like the specific memory that you do of these things because you cover it day in and day out. But you're reminding me that like, hey, it was as of recording here on Thursday, it was you know one year ago right now that they signed Carlos uh, Carlos Correa to that big long-term contract. The Luisa rise trade that really rocked their off season last year came, you know, a week or two later than we are right now in the off season. There's still potential for a Polanco trade, a Kepler trade. There's free agents out there. Like something's going to happen because this team still has holes to fill. Do they not?
1: They do. Uh, particularly in the, in the pitching department. Uh, um, uh, so I would guess that they are working on something and, uh, you know this. You know you've uh, written it a million times. This front office is willing to wait out the market, and with good reason. They have, uh, I think, they've earned a reputation as a good place to uh, to park uh, a superstar if uh, he doesn't get the contract that he wants, or uh, something happens to the market. You know, uh, yes, Correa. It happened with Correa twice. Uh, they twice came to the Twins after other things fall fell through and uh oh it's what four years ago now when josh donaldson didn't get the offers he wanted and uh came to the twins uh so i you know they're willing to let things fall in their lap um you know i don't know is it too much to hope that jordan montgomery isn't getting the offers he wanted it probably is i think uh, the front line starting pitching is is um going to uh going to be snatched up still, but uh, you know, it was, uh, it was the week of twins fest, which is still two weeks off here last year when they traded for Pablo Lopez. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, you know, I I'm sure that there are still moves to be made uh, things in the works. Um, And uh, this is, you know, they're not, they're not signing any minor, Uh, which I don't mean that to be a derogative term, but uh, minor free agents, um, which uh, might be a reflection of uh, some concern over the budget. Um, But, uh, you know, there's still uh, four weeks until camp opens, four and a half weeks. Um, So I think that the holes in the starting rotation will be addressed somehow. I think, uh, you know, they have room for another outfielder, perhaps, especially if, uh, if they trade Max Kepler. Um, so there are still some uh, chances out there. I'll be interested to see um, with uh, uh, Kevin Kiermeyer and Harrison Bader signing uh, if Michael A. Taylor uh, has run out of landing spots and, and looks to come back for another year or whether uh, he uh, – where he'll sign – um, but, uh, other than that, um, yeah, things proceed quietly.
0: None of what they've lost so far feels irreplaceable on a quality level outside, I would say of Sonny Gray, right? Like Kenta Maeda, good pitcher for them. Great 2020 season, but you know, up and down with injuries and performance since then, Emilio Pagan, everybody hated him last year, wanted him gone. He ended up having a good year for them, was a dependable relief pitcher, but neither one of those guys are guys like, ah, oh, man, what are we going to do without those guys? Sonny Gray is different. They they patterned their entire season last year. They molded what they were good at last year, basically on the strength of the starting pitching, and especially the postseason on this idea that they had two guys, two frontline starters who could potentially win them a game, and that's how they won the first series that they've won in in almost over 20 years he's gone that was almost the ideal trade right when it happened you get sonny gray you have to give up a prospect chase petty got a good prospect but sonny gray gives you two very good years of relatively low cost pitching for what he achieved he departs and you get that compensatory pick right back not maybe not the caliber of a chase petty but we'll we'll, we'll know that but can they make a trade like that again phil Or, or how do you how do you still bolster your rotation enough because I'm, I'm worried that they won't have pitching depth doesn't doesn't necessarily worry me all the time although they need more the quality is what bothers me because that was so much of what drove last year
1: yeah and if you remember uh, at the start of the year it was three frontline starters uh, uh for you know in late may early june you just said that joe ryan was uh the equal or better to uh, the two of them. He kind of uh, ran out of steam, but sure. Those kind of trades, uh, uh, you know, are uh, I'm sure are talked about and and discussed Uh, the, um, you know, the the twins have some high caliber um, uh, prospects, which much like uh, chase petty uh, would have a lot of uh, interest around the league. I don't know uh, if they're, I don't think they're uh, willing to uh, move Walker Jenkins, but, uh, you know, uh, Emmanuel Rodriguez, is that a a guy that they might uh, be interested in hearing uh, offers for, for, uh, you know, an all-star caliber pitcher? Sure. Um, And, uh, you know, you hear that uh, the Brewers might be willing to uh, make trades with uh, teams the Marlins uh, are kind of seem like there might be in rebuilding mold and they always have pitchers to move. So, uh, yeah, I think that uh, that kind of trade is uh, possible. Uh, I don't know that you expect to get a season like the one Sonny Gray gave you. I mean, man, when you think about it, he pitched 180 innings and gave up eight home runs. Yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. How, I don't even know how that's possible these days. Uh, and that's not even the weirdest thing. He also only won eight games. (laughs) Um, uh, But uh, I mean, that's clearly uh, what they're trying to address and they have built some depth and uh, uh, we're just assuming that Polanco and Kepler are the trading chips and uh, perhaps they are, but the, the farm system is pretty well uh, stocked in the upper reaches and they have shown All kinds of willingness to uh, trade in, um, not the very top of of their uh, prospect list, but uh, certainly some quality guys in order to get quality big leaguers.
0: Does the payroll situation, which we'll get to in a minute in conjunction with talks about where they're going to wind up showing their games in 2024, but does that factor into not just who they might pursue in free agency, but a reluctance perhaps to part with prospects who will be at some point in the not too distant future, low cost big leaguers for potentially them and not somebody else.
1: Yeah. Maybe not, uh, maybe not the second part of that so much. I'm sure it plays into the first part, but they're always looking for, uh, cost effective guys. Um, you know, the, the one exception to that is when, uh, Lopez arrived, they, signed him to, uh, an extension that'll start paying him about 20 million a year next year. Um, so they're, uh, so they are willing to pay for young and, uh, um, what they think is uh, frontline pitching. Whereas Sonny gray is, uh, was 33 and, uh, has a, uh, has a history of not producing, uh, I mean, 180 innings was the most he had had in, in, in like four or five years this year. So, um, so, yeah, I, I think that uh, it probably limits uh, what they would do in the long term. I, I don't. I certainly don't think they will pay anybody more than they are obligated to pay uh, Pablo beginning next year. Um, but those young controllable pitchers, uh, you know, they were willing to give up Chase Petty for two years of Sonny Gray, and they knew at the time that it was probably only going to be two years. Um, so they are definitely, uh, they're willing to give up a lot to get them. And, and but I don't think they want to go uh, much over the payroll that they uh, already have set.
0: Yeah. And that's, you know, again, that's a segue and let's, let's move on to TV stuff. Now, two things happened this week. One, we had the the New York post report that any kind of deal between Diamond Sports and Amazon that have been reported as his pos- a possibility by like, the Wall Street Journal in December, Major League Baseball said, no, we're we're not interested in that. Um, let's not do that. We don't want to be essentially what it seemed like is they don't want to be linked to um Diamond Sports, Bally Sports, um this, you know, this entity for more than this year because that would have potentially been a multi-year deal. And then we find on was it Tuesday night, I think it it became news and the Wednesday confirmed that this hearing that was scheduled for Wednesday that was going to maybe sort some of this out to see if teams would be on Bali this year and would how much they'd get paid that got moved by 10 days so we kind of kicked the can into you know late next week early the week after that what what did you make of the developments from this week
1: well it's it's clear uh, that uh, th- that things have changed, I guess, in the, uh, in Diamond Sports's uh, universe. Um, they were, they were once um, optimistic that they could keep operating, that, uh, that they have uh, 10 M- uh, major league teams under contract uh, for several more years. Uh, they have uh, more, uh, more than a dozen uh NBA teams, uh, likewise, and I, uh, when the when baseball uh, um, took Diamond to court in June, uh, in order to force them to pay uh, what they owed the Twins, among other teams, Mm -hmm. um, the feeling was that Diamond is just trying to work through this uh, this financial crunch, which is mostly brought on by. Um, how their parent company overpaid uh, to buy them from uh, Fox. And, and, uh, over,
0: and over leverage too, like so much debt in that.
1: Yes. They're, yes, they are losing money on some teams. They are overall, I, I, I think, uh, I'd be interested to know how close uh, they would be to earning uh, money without uh, all the debt that they are. Uh, I I have the feeling that they would make they would be making a lot of money if they uh, if they hadn't taken on so much debt. Um, that has now changed. Where clearly uh, clearly they are just uh, headed for the landing strip. Now they are uh, they're going to go under. They're going to cease operation. Uh, the NBA and NHL have reached deals to. Um, and all their long-term contracts after this season, right. and many most teams are taking a reduced amount of money this year in order to reach that deal. And Diamond is now doing the same thing with baseball. Uh, it's it, it's clear that uh, that this is it for them. Um, in the Twins' case, uh, their contract is expired, so the Twins had hopes of finding a new partner of exploring different ways to uh, different partners to air their games or maybe be aired by major league baseball. Uh, now I think they are on board with everybody else is going to start a new next year. Uh, let's get on board with that. Let's see what baseball produces, um, in, uh, for everybody all at once. Um,
0: next, year, next to, year being next year being 25, right? We're not 2025. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Sorry. Yes. Yes.
1: Uh if everybody's contract with uh, Diamond expires at the end of this year, it obviously MLB will try to form a partnership with everybody that um, loses their television partner. Uh, so I think the Twins want to be part of that. The question is for how much um, the uh, you know they were making fifty four fifty five million a year before. I'm sure it, it's going to be greatly reduced this year um but um uh, they have mediation there's a mediator working with with the two sides has been going on for about a month and i think they just need uh, another week to um to cross the t's and dot the i's and uh, reach final numbers um I- i'm pretty sure that next friday is uh, the kind of the drop dead date for all of this if it's not done by then um valley will go on with uh Whoever else they're, uh, who, who the teams that they still have under contract and the twins will just, at this point, would just turn to MLB and ask them to produce their games the way they did for the Padres and Diamondbacks last year.
0: Upshot seems to be, though, that because there was a delay here in the court mandated hearing, that the sides might get something done. The twins would probably be part of it. Like you said, be with Bally for one more year and then everybody kind of enters. Free agency, a TV free agency, Ooh. so to speak, on the same timeline, just like the NBA and NHL. it makes a certain amount of sense. Even if you don't love the Bally experience, it just probably makes the most sense for all parties. The streaming is the interesting thing, right? Like the streaming, because last year with Bally, they don't Bally didn't have the streaming rights to the Twins games. They only have streaming rights, I believe, to five teams. So you couldn't get twins games unless you had cable satellite or one of the, you know, two, I think Fubo TV direct streams direct stream um that you could get those games you couldn't get the standalone package like you can for the wolves and wild i get the feeling that that's that's going to be worked out in some way this year right they've already said Corey provis has already said that i'm sure twins are already talking about that like they won't go through another year where you can't get the games locally even if you're not a cable satellite subscriber
1: yeah that is the one uh change they want to make and it's the change that mlb wants to make uh if you uh, it, it, at the court hearing in uh, June, uh, Rob Manfred made quite a commercial pitch for. Uh, I kept calling it one-stop shopping. Uh, you want to watch a baseball game? You want to watch a certain team? You you come to our website, MLB TV, and uh, we will sell it to you on a on a monthly, a season, or a per-game uh, basis. Uh, no blackouts. That is the uh, um, that is the uh, intent of the twins and of MLB. What that means this year is um, the games may be produced and they may, may be uh, Bally's uh, telecasts, uh, but it will be um, uh, streamed on MLB.tv. I think uh, um, it's pretty clear that uh, baseball does not trust the Bally's app and uh, they are are discouraging teams from uh, signing on for that. Uh, It's a, it's a company that's going out of business. It's bankrupt and doesn't have any money to invest in upgrading their uh, software. So I, I I think that makes sense. Um, You know, people have asked me why would Bally's want to go another year, you know, if they're just going out of business, but uh, the truth is, I think they make quite a bit of money uh, with several of their teams. They were obviously losing money with the Rangers, Guardians, and Twins and are negotiating them down. But uh, the creditors who are owed a lot of money by uh, by the networks, by Diamond Sports, uh, are will collect some of that uh, this year by uh, operating uh, in uh, – operating under better circumstances uh cheaper uh rights fees uh you know the twins will probably get half of what they were getting last year Mm, wow Uh, so i expect that the twins will still be profit will be uh, a profitable team for bally's uh next year you know it's funny uh is bally's is this the worst naming rights deal ever yeah
0: Uh, i mean they 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 changed changed from change from fox sports north just in time for everybody to hate them
1: yeah, Bally's has nothing to do with Didn't it, do other than they bought the naming rights, and yet <laughs> right. it's all Bally's this and Bally's that. <laughs> right? They're a casino company. Yes,
0: yeah. yes. And they were. This was all supposed to be because there was going to be legalized gambling everywhere. Which yeah. there's some of that now, but none of that has really become part of their platform. The thing they were talking about two, three years ago. Um, well, some stuff to sort out still. I'd say the the best guess, uh, the best educated guess, based on what we've seen this week, what we know, is twins on Bally's for one more year streamed through through Major League Baseball this year, and then everybody else, um, every team heading to free agency, maybe in some sort of MLB platform in 25, and we'll see how much money they make off of that. Um, one more thing, uh, Maurer Hall of Fame. The ballots, there's more ballots, and he's not going down. The number keeps seemingly creeping up a little bit. Last I saw on the tracker, 83.9% of the ballots in. Joe Maurer is on. I think that means he'd need like to be on 69% of the remaining ballots. If I'm doing the math correctly, uh, seems like it's even, even what you wrote the other day with, you know, a lot of the early tracking, the numbers do go down because people who vote for fewer players don't tend to share their ballots as much just to save, to save the, the grief they get on social media and otherwise, but seems like it's going pretty well for Joe right now.
1: It does. Uh, and just to clarify you ca- it, you cut it, kind of sounded like you said there are 89% of the ballots are in.
0: No, 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 that's no, It's not what Back I said. That, what I meant, yeah, sorry. It's,
1: it's less than a quarter mm. that right. have actually been revealed. So, it, but he, but he is on 83.9% uh, of the ballots. Yes. Um, so yes, uh, um, it, it, it is tracking very well. As we know that the, those numbers go down when uh, the ballots that are unrevealed uh, are, uh, Uh, added to the total and that is uh, a week from next Tuesday the 23rd is when it will be announced Um, I'm struck I I, it's really surprising to me in that uh, and this surprises a lot of people when I tell them only two catchers have ever been uh, elected on the first ballot Yogi Berra was not Mike Piazza was not um, the only two are Johnny Bench and Pudge Rodriguez, mm. um, and Pudge is the, uh, is a good, uh, comparison, uh, because he also stood at about 82% at this point in the balloting, and he was elected by four votes, mm. um, one of the closest, uh, um, to the line ever. So, um, it, it's not a sure thing, but, uh, He uh, is—he's certainly uh, uh, higher, uh, receiving a higher percentage than uh, than I expected.
0: Yeah, I mean, first ballot—that you know—it ultimately doesn't matter. You get your plaque, but there is a distinction for first ballot guys, right? It's like those are the guys that people say, you know, you were a no-brainer. You deserve to be in, and I'm going to vote for you on the first try.
1: Yeah, there are uh, there are. Uh, we call them gatekeepers uh, in the in the balloting, uh, guys that uh, that they operate under the thinking that uh, well, this guy was not unanimous, so nobody should be unanimous. And they actually broke that one because Mariano Rivera was unanimous, but um, if Yogi Berra was not a first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, how can Joe Mauer be? If Mike Piazza was not a first ballot Hall of Famer, how can Joe Mauer be? So there are guys that intentionally leave uh, players off their ballot in the first, uh, in the first year. Um, But I think, I think as the electorate gets younger, um, there are fewer so-called gatekeepers uh, that are really concerned by that. It's a much more of a uh, black and white yes or no. And uh, I thought Joe would eventually get in. I predicted it'd be three to five years, uh, that uh, that it would take you know kind of uh, tracking like scott Rowland getting in last year i um so i i'm a little surprised at uh how quickly it might happen but uh you know he could uh, will 70 percent of the remaining electorate vote for him boy given the numbers we're seeing it sure seems uh, plausible and uh that would make uh that would sure change the tone of Twins Fest, uh, turn it into Mauerfest uh, in a couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, it would. And I think he's, you know, last point on this, he's definitely benefited from the kind of understanding of more, you know, beyond just counting stats, right? Like he's not a great counting stats guy. He's got the he's got the awards, the batting titles, the MVP award, but, you know, he's, he's just not this kind of guy that racked up gaudy numbers. What he did was got on base a ton, had massive like OPS, OBP, and had that kind of like seven year prime that everybody talks about. The you know, the seven year um, you know the war that really kind of seals the deal these days. And I think you know maybe thirty or forty years ago, with his credentials, might have had a harder time getting it, especially on the first ballot.
1: Yeah, and a lot of it is uh, you know longevity. He was uh, he was a great catcher, but he was only uh, a big league catcher for uh nine like eight hundred games
0: think. say like 800 games yeah. or something yeah yeah
1: 900 games uh, something like that so uh yeah it's uh um it, it's it is probably uh, an advanced uh, way of thinking one other thing about uh joe and i think this probably makes uh, helps him a little bit too is that uh he never had the uh he didn't have a long um glide out of his career uh the way uh, he 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 could have played a few more years. He even admitted at the time when he retired that uh, he didn't, he thought he could still uh, play and produce, but he never, uh, he didn't have two or three years where, uh, you know, to be honest, he was kind of bad the way uh, Miguel Cabrera has had uh, for a few years and, and uh, Pujols had, and they're both first ballot Hall of Famers, but uh, you know, guys that don't have quite their credentials, uh, you you tend to remember uh, a little more of uh, of the down years and uh, and yeah, Joe never had that. I don't think he ever had a uh, a season where he was below like uh, uh, his WAR was below two, and uh, that is uh, uh, you know not many players can say that. So uh, he uh, probably retired at the right time in order to uh, keep his uh, his. Percentage stats, his uh, value stats uh, in uh, in a positive range.
0: Yeah, he had he had a decline for sure, but he didn't fall off the face of the earth. He was still a productive player even after the injuries, even after the concussions, even after he moved to first base. He was still a valuable, productive player, and you know hit over three hundred in twenty seventeen, his last year, right or second to last year.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was uh, uh, I. Looked it up. He uh, was two eighty something like that uh, in his last year. But he hit three three hundred in twenty seventeen. Right. Uh, his next last year, uh, so he was still uh, he was still an above average player. He was about average uh, as a hitter when he uh, retired. If he had had two or three years of what are the what are the Twins going to do about Joe Mauer? Uh, you know, does he end up playing his last year with the with the Royals like Kilabrew did? Uh, you know, maybe that, uh, maybe that affects, you know, Brew retired as in the, in the top 10 home runs all time. And it took him a couple of years to get yeah. elected to the hall of fame. So yeah, you never know.
0: Well, we'll see for sure on the 23rd, we'll see about a lot of stuff. Maybe by then the twins will have made a move. Maybe by then we'll know what the TV situation is. Cause it seems like a lot of it could be coming to a head At around the same time, which is, again, kind of in conjunction with Twins Fest, kind of in conjunction with the caravan, kind of in conjunction of, hey, thinking about baseball, even though it's brutally cold out here. Uh, Phil Miller, appreciate it, as always. We'll talk again soon. Okay, Mike. Thanks. Good stuff from Phil Miller. Always learn a lot when I talk to him. He helps frame up the perspective of this offseason quite nicely. A little bit of bookkeeping, like I said at the beginning of the show, after I talked to Phil, and Phil and I knew this was coming before we talked um, not huge news, but the Twins agreed to terms with six of their arbitration-eligible players. Not really surprised on any of these. Kyle Farmer, Willie Castro, Caleb Thielbar, Ryan Jeffers, Alex Kirloff, and Jorge Alcala all re-signing for kind of, you know, Middle of the road between what the sides were going to exchange for arbitration figures. Only Nick Gordon, uh, didn't reach an agreement. So there you go. Those are the, those guys will be back on the twins at terms that are mutually agreeable to both the twins and the player. Let us finish with the cooler quickly. This story caught my eye. Florida State penalized by the NCAA for, um, name, image and likeness violations. I, I, I didn't know you could... I didn't know this was a thing. Uh, the ESPN story says the penalties... I'm reading straight from the story. The the penalties mark the first time the NCAA has severed the relationship between a school and its NIL collective as part of an infractions case. It is also the first time the NCAA has punished a school, coach, or collective for using NIL as an inducement. Uh, basically, the report suggests that they that uh, you know through a booster through a collective they were offering a player a certain amount of money to sign with uh, with Florida State to go to Florida State. Then that's um, so NCA. Here's this is straight from the story. NCA rules prohibit boosters from using the prem the promise of NIL deals as an incentive to try to convince a prospect to attend or transfer to a particular school. What? Let's read that again. NCAA rules prohibit boosters from using the promise of NIL deals as an incentive to try to convince a prospect to attend or transfer to a particular school. They do? I thought that was the entirety of NIL. I thought that was the entirety of the transfer portal, but there was inducements all over the place. This is not legal? You can't do this? Is this new? I, I gotta, okay, I gotta get into this a little bit more. I don't, I don't, not, not today. I gotta, I gotta go deeper on this. I gotta understand this because this feels like, this is like a what moment to me. This is like a, are you kidding me? This is, this feels like the entirety of at least the portal part of NIL. It's not the, you know, not just keeping your own players, not just giving players, you know, a reason to stay, giving them some cash, but you can't use NIL to get players to transfer. You can't use NIL to, to recruit. That's, what's, that's exactly what's happening I don't know, I'm, I'm just kind of beside myself I did not realize this was not something you could do and I wonder if some schools don't realize that either because that seems like that is all that's going on in college sports right now anyway, i got to figure out more about that but not right now, that's the end of today's show uh, be back at it next week with Roy C uh, Chris Hines going to join me for some Timberwolves talk next week lots of good stuff coming up until then, stay warm, enjoy your weekend back at it again next week